it's Betsy with the Dickie Foundation, and you're listening to Dickie's Doing Good, the podcast where we tell good stories about good people doing good things in the community. I'm thrilled because my guest today is Lisa Tatum Brown, and she is an emergency management guru. She is currently the planning section chief for the Dallas County Emergency Management, and she has made a career out of helping people, be it with AmeriCorps, American Red Cross, Volunteer Now, and now Dallas County. Thanks so much for joining me, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Well, so for those folks who don't know you quite as well as I do, because let's see, we met back in 2005 when we were both at the American Red Cross. Tell me a little bit about yourself, your involvement with disaster response and how you came to be where you are. Okay. Uh, Let's see. I grew up in Oklahoma, small town, Uh, wanted to find some adventure after I graduated from college. So I joined an AmeriCorps program, which took me around the country doing good things, uh, mostly in the western part of the United States. I worked with a variety of uh, nonprofits with the AmeriCorps National Civilian Community Corps, uh, things from Habitat Habitat for Humanity to the Nature Conservancy, uh, to boys and girls clubs, YMCA's, just all over from San Diego to Alaska. And then um, in 2002, I was looking for a new opportunity. I had some friends I'd met at a, a, a AmeriCorps training who worked for the American Red Cross and said, why don't you come to Dallas? And it was shortly after 9-11 that I moved here. And I worked for the Red Cross for about five and a half years, uh, doing a lot of their logistics and AmeriCorps programs and training. And then uh, for a little while, I did work with the education nonprofit, uh, environmental nonprofit, and then I started working with Volunteer Now, where I got to focus on disaster volunteerism full time, trying to build the capacity locally uh, through the Mass Care Task Force, um, which is a partnership with the Red Cross, Salvation Army, uh, Volunteer Now, and the North Texas Food Bank to try to help shelter people whenever big big bad things happen. And then uh, after six years with Volunteer Now, I moved out of the nonprofit sector into the government sector uh, and took a position with Dallas County specifically to write their volunteer management plan. Um, And then found that I uh, fit in there pretty well and started taking on additional uh, responsibilities for planning, uh, preparedness, partnership building. um, And I've been there for about four and a half years. My goodness. And you've really kind of created a great niche for yourself in the sense of really with volunteers and, and disaster response and management there. How, how, how has that kind of become a passion for you? Well, it really became a passion uh, when we responded to Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Uh, a slew of people from the Gulf Coast came to North Texas and we all sheltered as best we could. Uh, the Red Cross opened shelters all over churches and rec centers and and the community really wanted to help, but there was really no clear way for them to be able to do that and kind of felt the angst of the community wanting to help and not really having that easy you know, entrance to do that. Uh, so have, have since focused on, well, whenever something bad happens and people want to help, what's the easiest way to do that and to try to cut um, some of the red tape, both in the nonprofit world and the government side as well. So it's been really good to see uh, North Texas, specifically Dallas County, embrace volunteers and really try to find ways to, to put them to work quickly and easily. Because in 2005, for the Katrina and Rita response, and you and I were both at the Red Cross at the time, mm-hmm. that that was probably the largest kind of response, response the we, community we, has taken on, yes, uh, at the time. I mean, but since then, we've had 
uh, Ike and Gustav, hurricanes got sh sheltered people again. Um, Hurricane Harvey, again, sheltered people from uh, from the Gulf Coast. And so it's become a kind of a theme that we, we do it more than once. We, we do it because people need shelter. We're far away. We're planning and preparing actively to do that. Um, and not a lot of places are doing that. So it's really exciting to know that North Texas wants to help. We're going to create a way to help and we're going to create a way to get others involved in that. Absolutely. I mean, because you all, again, it's creating this safe space. I mean, we're, we're 250 miles or 300 miles away from the coast. And so, yes, a hurricane can come on up straight up I-45, but at some point it's going to dissipate and we're going to be able to help. People. Typically, yeah, we're not going to get up, but a little bit of rain. <laughs> we're not going to get a wind. cat five. But. No, we'll get some wind and rain, but we should be able to take care of people. Um, and so that groundwork was really laid for the COVID response and we got the vaccination site open and we needed people to help. We'd already built the system so that we could plug in volunteers into that effort. Tell me more about how you all dealt with that. I mean, with Dallas County and we had so many cases in Dallas County and what you all did, whether it was, you know, quite frankly, having to shut things down, reopening, COVID vaccines, COVID testing, all those sorts of things. Well, so the emergency management response to COVID um, initially was to uh, help provide uh, County Judge Jenkins with information so that he makes the decisions and, and he's very knowledgeable about our emergency management practices and, and how all of that works. And he works so closely with the health department and being able to relay, um, you know, what's, what's the science showing. And then he, um, you know, he makes all of those decisions, but we also provide, you know, uh, people to go out and see what's going on in the community, information that comes in from our 26 cities that are in Dallas County, uh, because people are used to interfacing with us and, and asking for resources or letting people know what's going on, that our department could inform that and help him uh, get whatever information he might need. That was early on. Then the decision to you know close down and to, to make sure that uh, people are safe. And then the second that we had the opportunity to start opening up testing centers, going out and, and doing site visits and, and figuring out which partners get involved. And actually a lot of our hurricane planning and, and planning that we do on, ongoing helped to inform like our, uh, for example, the Ellis Davis Field House uh, is a location that we would plan for hurricane sheltering. Well, there's partners involved from the cities in, in Southern Dallas County who would support that effort, who are now supporting the COVID, uh, both first testing and then the vaccination efforts. And then those partners we also brought together for uh, the Fair Park site for vaccinations and throughout the whole uh, operation. So the, really the disaster response ties really nicely into the preparedness side of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a really good thing that we have strong partners and that we've built those partnerships already. So that when something like this happens, we could just enact them and maybe in a very different way. And, you know, maybe at risk because we, you know, early on didn't know, you know, exactly what you would be doing that could cause you to have harm. So you have to play it, you know, extra safe uh, as far as masking and distancing. And, you know, if you're going out to a site visit, you know, making sure that everybody's being safe. Um, and then getting that testing going and then ultimately getting vaccinations going. So you've had a lot of different roles in disaster response, be it in AmeriCorps, um, as a young person to being a section chief now. What, mm -hmm. what has been kind of the, your, your favorite role so far? Well, it's really hard to say. I mean, working with AmeriCorps programs has always been kind of where my heart is, as you well know, um, <laughs> because being able to tie people into service and people who serve are my favorite people on the planet, right? And I want to be around those those people individually. And it's been it's been kind of a different flavor in in the government side, um, because it's not typical 
to just have that integration of uh, people who are, you know, there's some great volunteer programs. The Medical Reserve Corps at the county is an example. Community emergency response teams like the city of Dallas has. Um, you get those really um, in, involved and enthusiastic people. Um, but I'd have to say in my current role uh, with Dallas County and our Homeland Security and Emergency Management Office, so I have six interns right now. Um, all different levels, uh, undergrad degree, master's degree, uh, somebody who's transitioning out of the Air Force, um, and just being able to integrate them into the operation and let them be a part of this kind of historic effort from the ground floor from the day one um, is pretty exciting. Um, I like it because you just give them that opportunity and then they're going to go out and take positions like we've got folks from our office who were interns and now working for FEMA. We've got folks who are working for different jurisdictions, city of Grand Prairie, for example. And um, to be able to kind of mentor, grow people in that you know mindset of, hey, people can serve in a variety of ways and then just send them out so that they can do that elsewhere. So I think that my current role is pretty exciting. Well, and I think, I mean, you, you have led a life of such incredible service to, to, to date. I mean, you really, it is, it is really a remarkable thing. And then what, what to you has been the best thing about being involved with disaster response and preparedness? Um, well, for me specifically is being able to cut that red tape. Um, I, when I was working for the Red Cross, I used to say that that cross was made out of red tape. <laughs> um, and then when I left, my entire goal was, has been you know, to try to make it easy for people to do that within the Red Cross, outside of the Red Cross, um, being able to help them simplify their processes for episode-based volunteers. Because when Hurricane Katrina happened, you couldn't start being a Red Cross volunteer without like two and a half days of training. Mm -hmm. And so we shortened the training, we made it quicker. Um, and then after that, helped to create processes to get people tied in there very quickly because they're very integral to a lot of the responses that we have here in North Texas. Um, but also to just kind of cut the, you know, those, those barriers, break down those barriers for, uh, you know, be it them or working with any other nonprofit, working within the government side and just trying to get as many partners uh, trained up and working together so that we can do what we need to do. So in, in 15 or 20 years of, of disaster response, we don't need to be any more any longer than that. In the last 15 or 20 years of, of disaster response and preparedness, which disaster has really kind of left an indelible mark on you? I mean, I know having been through a lot of disasters, they, they, they all stick with you. But what, which one has really kind of stuck with you the most and why? Well, I would have to say, I mean... You can't really compete with a year and a half long disaster. I mean, COVID <laughs> has lasted COVID longer, own, yes. has been more intense, uh, has been most uh, costly to personal like time. Mm -hmm. I mean, because in the in the beginning, when you don't know what you're dealing with, and you're working all the time, like you know, working in other disasters, like you're working in an EOC, you might not get a lot of emergency operations center, you might not get a lot of sleep. Your downtime might be just preparation for the next, you know, what you got to do. But this is, you know, kind of an all day, every day for <laughs> like a year and a half. It's only, you know, recently that I've started recognizing what weekends were again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this one. And not only did it just, you know, impact me personally, but the entire response community that is just tired, worn out. And not to mention the things that have happened during COVID. So you've got... Um, hurricanes, uh, winter storms, 
uh, civil unrest. Like you've got all these things that have happened that have been major responses in the midst of an already major response. Like if, if you took any one of those things in any given year, that's what the conference would be about. It would be about, you know, winter storm power outage. So, you know, that's what the entire, but now it's just kind of a blip on the screen. Like it was a terrible thing that happened, but it's not the biggest thing that's happened this year. How is it preparing for a disaster like a hurricane or, you know, other massive disasters that do happen when, when we're still dealing with COVID because you still have a large percentage of the populations that's not vaccinated? Yeah. Well, so again, building up those partnerships, continuing to have those communications with those partners, convening when you can. Uh, I think that the ability to work remotely and to make those connections ongoing through conference calls and, and video conference um, has kept us connected. I mean, we're not nearly as, as tightly connected as we might've been you know, prior to where we can meet in person and all of that. Um, but being able to still continue to connect and and build those partnerships, even in these, you know, awkward times has been uh, very good. And we'll, we just look at the next thing, you know, that happens to be hurricane season, but who knows what could pop up. Uh, I think about the, the building that collapsed in Florida, like if something terrible like that were to happen here, how would we respond? Um, and trying to get people prepared for, okay, what would that look like for our team? And then being able to support our jurisdictions. Well, and you spend a lot of time thinking about that worst case scenario and preparedness. So what what's a disaster that you think about that just scares you the most? Well, I probably would have said a pandemic before now, but <laughs> well, we got through it. Well, <laughs> Almost. And, and I wouldn't necessarily say through because we're not done. I mean, no. there's there's a lot of people that have been vaccinated, but there's a lot more that could be, should be. Uh, and then we don't know what that dynamic looks like because we we got we're looking good right now where there are people who are vaccinated our numbers are down as far as we're not having as many people in the hospital people aren't getting it as much but something could happen and it could shift and then we'd have to continue to try to educate people and, and to get people vaccinated and, and that sort of thing um but you know it's it's the the you know um I'd have to say the worst case scenario would be something uh, widespread chemical release that impacts a large part, because I'm entirely focused on Dallas County, mm -hmm. um, wanting to see and make sure that people are, are being safe. Uh, but something like that, where there's just you know a lot of harm to a lot of people um, and there's not a lot you can do about it until it subsides. I mean, yes, tornadoes are terrible. Those, those are, you know, but the response to those tends to be pretty localized. So I would say something related to chemicals. I mean, we've got some great hazmat uh, folks in Dallas County in our supporting uh, region, but that's the kind of thing that I'm just like, oh, there's a lot of unknowns that we're planning for, uh, but at the same time. There's a limit to how much you can really plan for that. Yeah, and the yeah. response itself. Fair. Uh, so you, know, you mentioned you have a number of interns that work work with you. So what would you tell someone who was interested in, in following your footsteps? Any any particular lessons that you'd share with them? Well, I think that my footsteps might not be the easiest ones to follow. I started <laughs> off as an English major, so I, I don't have an emergency management degree. I am pursuing <laughs> a master's in emergency management and homeland security. But right now and uh, finishing later this year. Right. Yes. That's Congratulations. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but I would say find somewhere, start at the bottom level, 
uh, get your foot in the door. Internships are a great way to get started. Job shadowing is a great way to get started. Um, and build those networks because every person you meet, like, you know, we've known each other for years and years. I we don't have to be put a number today. to it. I took years and years. <laughs> We'd, I wouldn't be here today if we hadn't had that, you know, relationship that we built way back in the day. Um, but find find a spot. Don't be afraid to get, you know, work really, really hard and just don't quit. Keep going. <laughs> You'll find your way. Well, so I mentioned that you you have this incredible spirit of service that really that, that seems to drive you. Where does that come from? Kind of your 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 yearn to give back and, and where does it come from and why is it so important to you? You know, that that is a great question. Um, growing up, I was always like a helpful person. Like I like to help people, but it never volunteered. It never worked in a volunteer environment. Um, and then when I joined AmeriCorps, um, I got the opportunity to see people helping people on purpose, like a lot. <laughs> and it was a grand adventure because my program, we got to travel and we got to do different things all the time. Um, but to be able to see myself, uh, you know, actually helping people full time and that can be like what I do. I was pretty excited about that. And then ever since it's just been, okay, I have some skills and I have some, some talents. I don't know what shape those are going to take, but disaster has certainly been one of those that, um, it keeps bringing me back. Like I mentioned, I left the red cross for a little bit of time and then they just kind of pulled me back in. Um, and it's because, I mean, you just don't get a more, uh, tight knit community than first responders. Right. So, it just takes a special kind of person to put themselves in harm way, harm's way. And, and, and granted, I don't do that as much as, you know, a firefighter or, or a police officer, but certainly, you know, during this pandemic, there were times when, you know, you've got to go and check out the potential testing site, even though we don't really know how much, you know, you're exposing yourself other than to follow what the science says at the time. Um, but to really get into people who like to help people, I mean, that's the that's just the entire community. So uh, once I found that, you know, I could do that, then that's all I ever wanted to do. <laughs> and it was a big stretch to leave nonprofit to jump into the government side of things because I was so comfortable. Um, and the nonprofit world is just built with so many caring people. Like if you want to find caring people, obviously the healthcare profession, you get a lot of those there, but the nonprofit world has just got so many people with giant hearts who just want to do what they can and not with the purpose of enriching themselves, but enriching others per se. Um, and so to find on the government side, there are a lot of people just like that. Um, and emergency management specifically is a very tight knit community of people that just, just want to do good stuff. And when terrible things happen. Well, because you all want to help people get back to whatever normal looks like <laughs> right. as quickly as possible. I mean, and, and on their worst day, you know, you can do something to help them. Right. So that's. You've helped a lot of people in, in your time. So who are two or three people who've really helped you and made a difference for you? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I would have to say I've got a really strong role model in my grandmother who is just, she is classy and stylish. A couple <laughs> things I don't, I don't, I don't claim to be yet, but I aspire <laughs> to. Um, and she's, she's always just been in my corner and, and is supportive and, you know, pretty loving. And, 
Um, and then I have a dear friend who's kind of like a mom to me. My mother's also amazing. Uh, but she, uh, when I was in America, you have to say that she's going to listen to this. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Mom's amazing. <laughs> Mom's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, she is. And then um, I was in that AmeriCorps program and I was ready to quit. It was like my first couple months in. Uh, I was working at a, a Habitat for Humanity job site and there were uh, guys from a small town who were the uh, site directors and they wouldn't let the girls do anything. They just kept giving, trying to give all these, you know, big important jobs on the on the work site to the guys. And I got, I got hurt, offended, you know. I was like, they're not gonna let me do anything. I'm gonna go home. So I called my friend Kelly and I said, you know, I just don't want to do this. They're not, they're not letting me do anything. I know I can do some good stuff. And she's like, how long you got left at that site? You're going to be traveling on. Cause that's the kind of program it was. And she said, I said, I've got a couple of weeks. She said, you can do anything for two weeks. <laughs> I said, okay, right. okay. I'll stick it out. And my goodness, like my whole life has just since then, uh, been dedicated to service. And I, you know, it, not knowing how long things are last or like I can get through the next two weeks after that <laughs> we'll see no she's been a great role model who helps me through many other things but that's probably the biggest so you're just taking it two weeks at a time two weeks at a time <laughs> <laughs> so what's been the most important lesson uh, in life that you've learned so far I think a really good one um, is don't force help on other people uh, find out you know how they want to be helped and how they want to receive help um, I worked with the, with the Buckner International on um, going to, to serve in, uh, in Mexico at, a, at an orphanage on a, on a mission trip. And um, they went, took us through a whole session of, you know, you think you know how you want to go and help people. But, you know, you really need to see what that community feels like they're wanting, you know, support with. And then you can provide that after they've identified kind of what they want and not to just enforce, you know, oh, I think they need food and clothing and shelter when really they just, you know, want someone to talk to about healthcare or something, you know, their health or what have you for their health for their children. Typically that was what it was like, how can I help my kid be, you know, safer and healthier? And uh, that, I mean, that's been a very important lesson that, that I didn't learn until you know, a few years ago. It's, it's, you know, like people think they can go and decide for someone what they need. And really it's like, you know, up to them. Well, and we ran into that during the Hurricane Katrina response and you were working really closely with the AmeriCorps members and people in North Texas were so incredibly generous and they wanted to help and to, to your way, they wanted to help the way that they thought they could. Yes. And yes, people have just lost everything. But when people were bringing winter coats yes. to Reunion Arena yes. in, in August Halloween or September. Costumes. Halloween costumes. It's just less helpful. Yeah. But but it really is an interesting and, and it is it is so wonderful to see that people want to give. And I think that that in your role, particularly when you're talking about volunteer management and emergency response, talking to people about how they can help and giving them that instruction on how they can help is so yeah. important there. Yeah. Well and, and to, to what you're describing, donations management is a whole whole other topic uh because you know a tornado happens people clean out their garage and give away the stuff that they weren't ever going to use again and you know and somebody needs a specific you know t-shirt size that that you don't have like you know uh, donations management is also near and dear to my heart because people think you know i can give you a can of corn 
and you know, you're going to go feed somebody wherein you could pay, you know, just uh, whatever the can of corn would cost and they could do so much more with it. Uh, and my work, you know, working with the North Texas Food Bank has taught me a lot about, well, what we actually need is some, you know, some funds so that we can get a truck to actually deliver more food or, you know, a forklift to, you know, load the pallets and the boxes that we do the food drives in and all that kind of stuff. So we could do a whole other session on nonprofit oh, trust yeah, and donation management. Yeah, tune in next week for that. <laughs> uh, but it, but it, it is it is funny and you're and you're so right about about those things. So, um, what's next for you? Well, I'm gonna uh, try to finish grad school, um, and then actually, I'm I plan to serve in Dallas County to the best of my ability for as long as they'll have me, uh, because there's a lot of work that's left to do. And I'm really enjoying uh, working with the partners and, and trying to, you know, build a strong department that can help the county when something happens um, and prepare for the next thing, uh, because it's not, you know, necessarily, you know, the things that you've seen in the past. It's, you know, taking those pieces and whatever comes up in the future. So I do plan to serve uh, to the best of my ability. <laughs> um, and then um I like to, to volunteer in my spare time, and I'm looking forward to finishing grad school so that I can continue to do that um, in whatever ways I can. All right, so at the end of every one of our podcast interviews, uh, we flip it over to Dickies, and I've got to ask, what's your favorite Dickies meat and favorite Dickies side? Um, let's see, like sliced beef. Mm -hmm. Our brisket. Yep, and I like uh, coleslaw. All right. Okay. So we're going to go into the lightning round. I'm going to give you two choices and you're going to pick one. All right. All right. Barbecue beans or jalapeno beans? Barbecue. Sweet or unsweet tea? Unsweet. Wow. That is so controversial I in know, Texas. I know. My husband hates unsweet tea. <laughs> All right. Chopped brisket or sliced brisket? Uh, sliced. Sauce or no sauce? Sauce. Brisket or pulled pork? Brisket. And ribs or wings? Ooh, I love ribs. All right. Thank you so much. My guest today has been Lisa Tatum Brown, Emergency Management Guru with Dallas County Homeland Security and Emergency Management. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. It was great that we could share our stories with you. If you want more information about the Dickey Foundation, feel free to visit thedickeyfoundation.org. And if you want more information about some of our great owners and the great stories they're doing, please visit dickies.com. We look forward to seeing you next week where we'll continue sharing the good stories of good people doing good things in our community. Mm -hmm.